Hi, everybody. This is going to be our final debrief on the pandemic. Azusa and I have been reporting on it for the last couple of years, trying to garner every single different bit of science from around the world, every graph from the, around the world that we could to kind of see where we ended up with all of this. And there are some really poignant moments that we need to not only look back at, but that are going to point to what our future looks like as well, and also point to the end of science as we have experienced it up to this point. So without further ado, let's go to Zeus one more time on the subject of the pandemic. Hi, Zeus. <laughs> well, we decided to do this one because uh, something really so irresponsible and careless has happened that it, it made us realize we had to do this final debrief. We were going to leave it alone as of last time, but just when things get dumb, they get dumber. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I think with the latest, uh, within the last couple of weeks, we've had a, a shot approved for both Pfizer and Moderna for infants now above six years of age. And I believe the, um, the adolescent shot was approved for Moderna and as well as Pfizer as well. And, six, and that's six months of age, right? That was six months of age. Months correct. of age. Right. And then and then we just had a meeting of the FDA's uh, basically working group on vaccine advisory. Um, basically say to these companies, as they tried to finagle legally what they consider to be an extension or a modification of their earliest Wuhan strain one, which is, as we know, is no longer around. And then to to uh, integrate it's called a bivalent vaccine, integrate the BA5 and BA4 Omicron variants in there, which are the latest, without any safety testing, without any clinical trials, and without any efficacy testing. Just something called post-marketing surveillance. Literally, they're going to put it into you and see if anything comes up. In other words, if you get sick or die, they'll make a note of it. That is what they're going to call their clinical trials. For, for those of you really interested in, in the nuts and bolts, Toby Rogers has done a great um, study on this in his latest articles on Substack. So you can do Toby Rogers at Substack to get some of the details on this. But the come down is this science, as we know, it, evidence-based hypothesis testing is, is done. These people are no longer interested in even safety studies, much less safety evidence. And we have to reiterate, this was an FDA panel that voted 19 to two right. to allow these vaccines to be rushed to market. This is the really funny part for fall, autumn, mm -hmm. when flus kick up. Well, here we are, sp all spring, all summer, all year long. It's one variant after another. This isn't seasonal because it's not a flu. And mm -hmm. so the joke of it is that these vaccines, these quote, uh, vaccine variants themselves that they're propagating and encouraging people to get um, mm -hmm. have nothing to do with affecting uh, Omicron BA four and five. We That's know it's not a we know it's not a respiratory virus at this point or purely respiratory. Yeah. As I said in my videos on Citizen Zeus, I said that's the transmission, but it's a blood immune nerve virus, and that's proven to be quite true. Much like herpes, much like a lot of these blood immune viruses, they stay in your body. And they don't have to be seasonal because you don't catch them. They, they essentially live in your body. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not um, various vaccines help that happen and help the mutation happen and some of the politics and some of the, some of the ledger domain behind it. 
Yeah. But um, but that's that's one thing that we have that we are moving beyond seasonality. Some of the biggest upticks now with this within some of the most vaccinated countries have been out of season. Absolutely. There's a season if, if you're really hot and you get everyone indoors, it may be season in the heart of summer, but it's happening in between spring and summer when, when a respiratory viruses essentially never kick up. Exactly. So what we need, what I'd like to do is hop through this because we've done so many shows on anyone that wants to look at how these work in the body. Uh, they can go to some of the sources you mentioned. They can go to Citizen Zeus. They can look at our previous interviews, but we need to look at the story because this is nothing but a story now, a story that has divided families, people, cultures. It's a, it's a sad story what's yeah. happened here. And so let's go back. First of all, people are looking at vaccines, right? Oh, gee, there's, you know, season's coming up. There's a new one coming out. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the beginning of that story. That began in February of 2016. 2016, that's when Moderna applied for this vaccine. Now, this is three years. No, this is some of the technology behind the vaccine, not the vaccine itself. The technology for the mRNA. But there was a segment that one research said one in a $3 trillion chance of that filed patented vaccine or or, or, uh, nucleotide technology, if you will, mRNA technology that ended up being identical to the furin cleavage site yeah. and the spike protein on the, the Wuhan strain. Well, was, this was not a coincidence. And, it, it, and I'll tell you what made me think a about A one that. in three trillion chance that it could have happened just serendipitously exactly. by one scientist's estimate. And this is February, February of 2016. Now we already know that that gain of function research for this particular spike protein had been going on prior. 2014, it was shut down and then it was resurrected in 2017 when March of 2017 is when this patent was awarded to Moderna. So we have to look at the timing because that spike protein was being worked on by Mm -hmm. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Peter Daszak and the gang and the Wuhan laboratory people at that time, all the way up until the release, accidental or not, uh, of what became known as, you know what, we're not going to say the word just so we don't get censored here one more time because then I'd be in trouble. And what happened was the technology, much like goods, are designed here. And then the implementation and the production and manufacture was offshore to China because it was illegal here. Exactly. Exactly. But the point, the point that really got me is in February of 2020, I was listening to uh, Dr. William Wong. Now this Mm -hmm. man is has a great uh, depth of background in biochemistry. And he was talking about the fact not to worry that when they create bioweapons, he was very clear, this was made in the lab. Now, by this time, we we started seeing this even from Luke Montagna, the vira, the uh, Nobel Prize winning virologist. He was saying this is made in the lab. So these top guys and minds were already saying, whoops, this was made in the lab. This mm-hmm. isn't accidental. It didn't happen at a, you know, a meat market. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as this is happening, William Wong said not to worry because what they do is they'll always have the antidote for the bioweapon developed at the same time. So when I came across that original article that said these the spike protein application and the Moderna mRNA vaccine, or uh, would you call it a vaccine at that point, Zeus? 
I don't know if I would call it a vaccine because they were working on different technology, okay, cancer technologies. Right. But the thing, the connection is here. The connection to Ralph Barrick and Peter Daszak and and the Bat Lady in in China, were that they were literally manipulating and humanizing mice or creating human reactions within mice by making these genetic manipulations. So right. clearly it was gain of function. Clearly it was cross species gain of function and testing that was already happening. And they were using that to create that patent for Moderna. Exactly. So I think we can say that what William Wong said all those now two and a half years ago, he was right on. And I never, I never forgot what he said. I thought that's mm -hmm. interesting. So now we get to what actually happened. So now the vaccines have come out, Moderna's mRNA and Pfizer's mm -hmm. as well have come out. People are standing in line begging for the vaccine all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it does seem to have some efficacy in right. keeping, pe keeping the really nasty part of the lung uh, debilitation at bay so people mm -hmm. wouldn't have to go to the hospital. And it was intended for the vulnerable, elderly, and those who had pre-existing conditions. In the first wave. In, in the, the first wave. wave. And there were two reasons in the first wave why it appeared at least these mRNA vaccines were helping more than harming. The first reason was this, that they were targeted toward that original Wuhan strain, right? And again, the Department of Defense itself has the lab orientation, uh, uh, origination of that virus to be moderately certain and a natural to be little certainty. So they, the Department of Defense has officially <laughs> endorsed yes. the lab origination as the number one. So that, so, so that coincidence, as you were saying with William Wong and so forth, allowed the, uh, the vaccine to target that spike protein more specifically before it began to mutate. And the second thing, and this is more my own theory, collecting the materials, uh, the evidence together, that inadvertently, perhaps its greatest protective mechanism came in the fact that it, because of that AIDS component that was grafted into that thing, disabled some of the more overactive aspects of the immune response, which were the most deadly and, and most lethal aspects of the original big spike up right. when it went around the world in that first Wuhan strain. So inadvertently, it was disabling the immune system in such a way that it didn't overact and kill people with that overreaction. Well, we're talking about, side, go ahead. Yeah, that's what we're, that's what I was just going to say too, was the cytokine storm is what we're talking about, where the immune system went crazy, people, mm -hmm. inflammation everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, people were on ventilators. You're mm -hmm. saying your theory has been that it inadvertently disabled the immune system enough that mm -hmm. it didn't go into the cytokine storm, which in itself helped people stay out of hospitalization, right? That's correct. What it did was it, it created a situation in which the immune system couldn't fully activate. And because it didn't fully activate, it didn't overactivate. And those were the most dangerous. And it was week two where the inflammation came up. That's why dexamethasone and steroids were effective in beginning to bring down hospitalization and also death, but also week three in which the cytokine storms really started to hit bad. Okay. And the cytokine storms were the clotting and those kinds of things really started to come as well. So right. it allowed the body, it basically, you know, if you're gonna have lethal, it's gonna go up like this and this, it actually kind of evened out the curve of your body's response a little bit. And it also targeted a little bit the spike protein. So it had some e efficacy, especially in high risk populations at the first start, but that changed with, with, with the Delta strain. As soon as the Delta strain 
the whole game changed. And we can talk about that. Well, let's talk about first, I'm looking at it, what, what the pharmaceutical industry claimed it would do by taking the vaccine. It would um, prevent infection, transmission. It should knock out symptoms, knock out hospitalization, and ending up in the ICU and certainly death. So there was some effect in the first round. And now we've seen that the Moderna timing of their patent seems to coincide with the spike protein patent. Okay, so there was a little bit of that. And then the dysregulation of the immune system you spoke about. Now let's talk about what happened when Delta hit because the game changed. They didn't have, that's now a new variant. They had not filed any kind of patent on. Right. We, we had talked about that masks weren't that effective, but they ha- had, at least in some studies, at least five to 10 percent effectiveness. And even even in a pandemic, that might have helped a little bit. Five to 10 percent is actually somewhat significant. But as soon as the, the Delta strain came along, the infectivity, the transmissibility went way up by several factors to overwhelm that five to 10 percent. At that point, we already knew that masks weren't going to be that effective right. at that point. But another couple of things happened because the spike protein had mutated, the vaccines targeting in that more direct way was misdirecting perhaps uh, or miseducating the immune system away from the new strain, which could use that misdirection now to get into cells more easily. So all of a sudden you saw in Barnstable and other places, that, that basically people who are vaccinated were getting it just like people who are unvaccinated. And in that Barnstable study, we're even getting hospitalized and get, certainly getting symptoms on par with it. And you notice that's also the time the FDA and CDC were saying, yes, vaccinated people need to start wearing masks again. Well, there's because other, they realize that. The other thing they said is, oh, no, you misunderstood us. We never said that this would prevent transmission. Yeah, they said that. Well, they did say that. That that was a lie. So now the PR starts spinning, and so what is their answer? There seems to, there seem to be one consistent answer. So now you're seeing the statistics, and we haven't even gotten to some of the other countries. Um, yeah. We're seeing that it doesn't matter whether you're vaccinated or not. Now people are hospitalized. They're dying in equal numbers. Something's happening to the mm-hmm. immune system, and yeah. let's. Let's take a look at that now. Some that allowed them to die in equal numbers. And there were quite a few cities, and we'll get to Israel in a moment, which really made that startlingly. Well, let's see. If you follow the track of the virus, especially we talk, we'll talk a little bit about the East Germany and West Germany, but East Germany that had a lower vaccination uptake, and they really got hit hard by that Delta, that Delta wave, but they required they got natural immunity out of that. The advantage of natural immunity, and we've talked about this, is it tends to give you a recognition and education for the whole virus, not just the spike protein. So if the spike protein changes, then your natural immunity still has other reference points to attack a variation or mutation. These mRNA vaccines did not. So so in in that Delta wave, it became misdirected, right? And so it started to lose its efficacy against people, especially against people who are naturally vaccinated. that turned out to be about six or seven times better effectiveness once that strain and even hospitalization as well. Now, unvaccinated who hadn't been exposed to it, especially high risk groups, they were still getting a lot. So they were still recommending the the vaccine to many people, but you've knocked out one of the two reasons to have the vaccine was the appropriate targeting. But the other part, which which was sort of my theory, where it was kind of disabling the immune system 
keep it from being overactive, creating those cytokine storms and inflammation, which was causing the massive majority of the death. Now that becomes problematic as well. Okay. It does. Because, because now you have trained the immune system in such a way that when this other stuff comes in, um, and as symptoms start going down, as it did with, with the, well, depending on who you looked at with the Delta strain and certainly the Omicron strain, right? Where those symptoms and the, and the inflammation and so forth were not nearly as dangerous. Now, all of a sudden you've created a problem. You've had a short-term gain that over time has disabled the immune system so that it becomes chronically infected with some of these much more hypertransmissible and uh, I guess you'd say less lethal bugs. So now what happens, you have the CDC and the FDA and the big and the pharmaceutical company saying there's only one way to deal with that. You need another shot. Yep. So then we started the booster programs. Now let's go to what happened in Israel after the booster programs were introduced. And Israel, as I recall, was something like around in the 70 percentile vaccinated, if I recall correctly. Yeah, you can, I mean, depending on which database you came from, they said it was in the low 70s. Some of them had them in more in the high 80s. So let's just say that range in there. Conservative. It was one of the first almost fully vaccinated, almost all Pfizer. Yeah. Right. Okay, so let's look at what happened when we started dialing into those graphs at the time. This is about a year ago or something like that. And we started seeing what happened after the boosters. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened... First of all, the boosters uh, efficacy and time of protection continue to decrease dramatically. Now, especially among Omicron, it's only a few weeks of, of, of boosting in antibodies and so forth. So people begin to say, hey, wait a minute, we can't have a booster every few weeks. And because, and it's actually the boosted people who are, are, are in some sense disabling their immune system even more. They're, they're getting a short-term gain and it's only now lasting a few weeks and with, with a long-term consequence. And that long-term consequence is the inability of your body to pr- produce the appropriate recognition, the appropriate antibodies, and also to do sterilizing or neutralizing a response versus this leaky response, right? Because these aren't really geared toward the whole virus and it keeps moving along. The One of the best things I ever heard that gave me some solace and even to your audience out there who has taken vaccines but not boosted, okay, gives you some heart is that nature, including your own body, tends to kick out these pretenders, okay? That's that's critical. And even if you've been injured by this, your body is amazingly resilient at erasing and forgetting the things that it doesn't need to, beginning to remember new things and get exposed, because even the vaccinated people now have been exposed to Omicron. And over time, you're body tends to begin to develop an appropriate response and iron out some of the misprogramming that may have come from well-intentioned but increasingly ineffective vaccine. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. You followed some of the people that were outspoken, super, super uber healthy athletes that were severely injured by the vaccines. And of Mm -hmm. course, you can look at the VAERS, V-E-A-R-S statistics and learn more about that. There are plenty of sites to go to about vaccine injury. It was much, much higher than you heard in mainstream. That was, that was, 
the that was the thing that was crazy about this last thing, because there has always since April of 2020, the month after this happened, they found that the kids did not largely transmit it, including in school environments. They found that masks were really kind of not needed for kids. And they found out that they didn't really get infected. And if they did, it was almost like gone in a couple of days. I have anecdotal examples, but there are also research examples of this. And so there wasn't ever at any time a solid case to be made scientifically to ever vaccinate kids. However, there were studies that came out, especially for males from 12 to 17, where there's myocarditis and some uh, possible consequences to these things. And it was this meeting that basically just a couple of weeks ago where they just disregarded all of that. They did. And let me finish what I was going to say, which you're aware of, and that is some of the people who are very outspoken and chronicled their progress of decline are now on the mend. So it's really important to put this in. It can take a little while if there's been some kind of damage or injury from taking vaccines and then the boosters, but the body, as you say, is brilliant and is finding a way to recover. So that that's the good news on it. But and there's thought- another piece of good news that's associated with that. We may not think of it exactly as done, but Kyle was a professional professional mountain bike rider, okay, was one of the people, I think, who accidentally had it injected into his veins directly, the vaccine. And that's what they speculate caused all these really problems, POTS syndrome, you couldn't exercise and heart racing and, and all these kinds of things. He's improving over time. There was another woman interviewed by Dr. John Campbell and others who also had a very, she was very fit mom, et cetera. And she was one who took one of the early, she was part of the trial. And she had had this very similar reaction as Kyle did. But both of them have found out that they can manage this with a lot of these therapeutics. And, you know, we'll use the, the eye drug among others, but it's taking a while. It, right. it, but it is a story that shows that our bodies can recover and it's taking them years, but they are coming back. And if those people didn't get those kind of dramatic reactions to them, like many of the people in the audience who may have taken vaccines for one reason or another, sometimes for work, sometimes because they were scared, sometimes they, they actually family travel. Idea. There were a lot of reasons people right. didn't. Yeah. That most of them have not given vaccines to their kids and most of them have not boosted. Right. So your body is probably likely to be able to recover, reprogram itself. And most of you have been exposed, especially to Omicron already. So there is, there is a silver lining there, which suggests that the trajectory is toward our bodies beginning to make up for the mistakes and these interventions. But now that big pharma is getting panicky, the, the, the number of parents that were open to doing their kids went from something 28% to now 18%. And it's dropping through the basement, even in California, kids under five, only 2% vaccinated. In Ohio, kids under five, 1% vaccinated. So the, the, the news is getting out there and people are understanding this combination of risk and benefit. It, 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 as a parent, as a responsible parent, they have to take that into consideration. Okay, now let's so you mentioned a little bit ago, let's go back to Germany mm-hmm. uh, and some of the recent maps. And this is really important to note. A, it's summertime. B, you already mentioned that the eastern part of Germany, the former former East Germany, Eastern Bloc 
portion of the country, um, for whatever reasons, were vaccinated in in lower numbers by quite a bit than the Western portion of Germany, which was very highly vaccinated, up around 90% versus 50%. We can look at these maps of what's happening, because this is the other part of the story. As you just said, it's very hopeful to know that our bodies are amazing at uh, countering these, mm-hmm. at finding out ways around and finding out ways to repair. That, that's the brilliance of the human body. There is something that ha- is happening co- along with that, though, and that is the instance of contracting and being symptomatic with COVID, with um, SARS-CoV-2 and its various strains is becoming more chronic Right. more heavily vaccinated a population is, meaning yep. they're getting it, it appears to be over and over. So let's take a look at that map and tell us what we're looking at here, Zeus. Well, we'll start with the Germany first, then we'll go to Portugal and Germany with yeah. regard to hospitalizations, oh, deaths and number of cases. So right now we're looking at the German map. Okay, the German map, the, the, the multicolored German map, um, Igor Trudov has done some great work on this, has even been taken up by German publications. But basically the progression was this, and you see it really affirming what we've just said, what we just talked about for the last half hour or so. And that is the initial boost, initial vaccine gave some advantage, especially to high-risk populations. You and I even talked about it for the, for the reasons that we talked about. West Germany, boom, they were all over it. East Germany, perhaps, as Regina says, because they learned not to trust their government from the East German background and spying on everyone and so forth. They said, "Uh uh-uh. So they had more of about a 50% versus 90%. When Delta came along, so so it looked somewhat even and and East Germany not doing as well to begin with. When Delta Delta came along, because there was lower vaccination, they got it because it was hypertransmissible but they developed natural immunity in the East German section, okay? So it looked again like vaccines were working better and those stupid East Germans, they should trust their government, they should trust these vaccines. But what has happened since Omicron? It is completely flipped. Now, West Germans out of season are experiencing chronic infections at very, very high rates, some of the highest rates of infection that they've experienced, okay? The deaths are lower than those big initial peaks, but they are maintaining at an alarmingly high rate where the East Germans don't have that problem, okay? That natural immunity is protecting them, okay? Much better. And here's another thing too, because the West Germany was a lot of boosters, These boosters not only have a shortened efficacy, but they tend to, it looks like from the evidence, they tend to wear out the immune system by really, it would be like taking steroids if you're- Pounding it with that spike protein. You're just pounding and pounding and pounding and you're wringing out all the strength and as if everything's an emergency 24 seven and you end up wearing down your body's system, your nerves, your immune system. Whereas the natural system is much more efficient, much more selective. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing now is these things that are going up and what's new is they're not going down to baseline. These, these epidemics and, and these seasonal waves used to go down back down to zero and then they jet up again. Now they're not going down to zero. They're coming back down to a thousand per day and they're going like this. And the same is true with the deaths. They're not going all the way back down either. They're kind of teetering like this and sometimes bumping up and then coming down again. They're setting a new baseline which suggests 
that it's not long COVID. Now, long COVID is these long symptoms associated with exposure, but chronic reinfection with COVID because of the leakiness of the individual's immune response trained by these viruses, which were incomplete and did not anticipate all these mutations. There's nature again, coming back with full vengeance. You need nature to hit nature. Right. <laughs> the original virus came from a lab perhaps, but in its mutations took off into the nature. And, and when that happened, all of a sudden the very narrow technical, technocratic um, assumptions got blown, blown up. So now the government's answers to this are, guess what? <clears throat> Get ready for your fall boosters. <laughs> There's only one answer to this, which well, is- when you have everyone having so much stake, the Biden administration literally pinned all its hopes on this. Okay, let's let's honestly say that the Trump administration did too. They did Operation Warp Speed. They didn't have a critical approach to any of this development either. Everyone was trying to take credit of this. Now they're invested in it, and now the science is showing that it was that it made some drastic errors due to that more blinded, you know, tunnel-minded approach. And instead of adjusting to it in this latest thing that just happened a few days ago, they basically said, well, here's what had been happening before. When Delta hit, they started taking selective bits of data. They would only use Kentucky and say, oh, this looked okay. And then they wouldn't tell you about the rest of the states. So you knew that they were just trying to select the pieces that would work. Now they don't even have the pieces to select out after Omicron. So they've just decided they don't need any evidence at all. And I saw this and I said, in one of my articles I've written for my Substack, I said, of course you don't have any evidence. Then they use the term, this is a deadly term. There's no evidence to suggest. Well, guess what? If you make it so that you never produce any evidence, right? Then there will never ever be a situation in which there's no evidence to suggest because you wiped off the map any possibility of accessing any evidence. This latest group is exactly what they did. They literally said, we will allow you to literally stick these two completely novel, untested things, no safety, no efficacy. And then we don't have to worry about the term, no evidence. We can use the term no evidence to suggest because there won't be any evidence to draw from or interpret. They continue to go down and down and down in terms of scientific efficacy to the point where they're so invested now, all they can do is say, we're in, we're all in. We're basically no longer regulatory agency. We're just a lobbyist for you guys. We're gonna let you do whatever you want and we're gonna do whatever we can to help you cover up any kind of evidence of vaccine uh, injury. And they have these so-called sentinel post-marketing surveillance. Are you kidding me? You're literally gonna stick millions of people with this. And if you see a safety signal after you do it, then you're going to say, well, maybe we should make adjustments. And that's, 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 that's genocide. That's genocide against the Nuremberg Code. Other reporters have pointed this out. What they're doing is not just reckless and irresponsible. It's illegal. It's immoral mm -hmm. to allow this stuff just because the pharmaceutical company, it, well, they've bent to them complete. All the governments have bent. The politics don't matter when you get that high up. Mm -hmm. You're talking about an entity large enough that it almost serves as an umbrella over the others. And right. that we're talking about big pharma. So big right. pharma has one. And, you know, Zeus, I, I want to go back and say, and I think I did mention this 
a time or two. Maybe I didn't tell it fully, but you recall when this all first came together, I was sitting back and watching with a very watchful eye because I did a meditation on it when that first ship came in um, off the coast of Northern California and the very first infected people came in from that princess liner, I forgot the name of it, ended up in Sacramento in the ICU. And I thought, what's going on here? And for the people that watch my shows know that every now and then I do go into meditation and I'm given information. And in this case, it was very specific. The words that came, I closed my eyes and said, if there's something to see, what is it? Show me. And it said, this was made, this was made by man to benefit the few over the many. And when this continues, people will go into such fear that they will be begging for vaccines. And once the planet has been vaccinated, this is going to lower the overall immune defense of human beings, of the human species. And this will allow for chronic disease to take hold and for the pharmaceutical companies to benefit for decades into the future, far beyond the profits from any vaccine. Now, this was February 2020. There were no supposedly no vaccines. This was a warning. And at the very end of this, whoever was speaking to me, my guides speaking to me, the intelligence speaking to me, yelled, do not get this vaccine to me personally. Now I have a kind of delicate body. Mm-hmm. I'm, I did not apply that to other people. I applied it to myself mm-hmm. and I kept fairly quiet about this and started researching immediately. And you and I both did and right. started to find the evidence for exactly what I was told that day. And now we're watching it play out full on pure profit. And neither one, we, neither one of us could be accused credibly of being anti-vaxxer, both because our audience, we support choice, right? But we have for, free and informed consent. When right. you're not providing the data, it's no longer informed. And when you're mandating and enforcing on people that is no longer free, right? We all make decisions to take a certain kind of risk. And I was even willing at the beginning, even with all the sordid stuff that I knew to say that many of these bureaucrats and technocrats could have been well-intentioned. And it, there was some evidence as we've just suggested here to su- suggest some efficacy or some help, but that changed with Delta and it absolutely changed with Omicron. And the thing that I now blame them for and hold them accountable, this is on you. This is Toby Rogers and this is on you. They know now that, th- that they made mistakes and they have to fess up and admit it and not a single one of them will. Now they are morally and legally culpable in my opinion. They are, and one good thing that's happened here is because of all of this, because parents are getting savvy, they're not buying in, they're not willing to have their little kids arms made vulnerable <laughs> to, the, right. to the needle, um, is that in the state of California, for example, I believe it was right about now, right, the beginning of uh, July 2022, that school mandates were supposed to take place. Mm-hmm. You could not put your child in a public school without having proof of vaccination. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been put off. It's being, all these kinds of programs are now being stalled out p- for political reasons. Right. So what's this have to do with science? To wait till the midterm elections and see where things fall? Yeah. So it was political to begin with, but they are being pushed out. So that's not going to apply in the coming school year for the kids in California. Right. And here's the reason why they were waiting. They they have had their polling that shows the parents, independents, Democrats, as strongly against any mandate for children. And so they're going to try to delay it after the November elections to see if they can squeeze by and then try to push it through. But as we saw with Dr. John Campbell, who's been a pretty good narrator, he's been a little bit pro-vaccine, but he's, 
he's he's definitely evidence based. So he's been he's been a good moderate voice throughout this. He references a study that showed 99.3% of the school kids in England that they had tested in the sample had antibodies to COVID. So if literally almost 100% of kids had already been exposed, their immune systems are already educated, what reason would there be to give them something that would have only a risk at that point? And I wanna also reference the California and New York studies, which showed that people had natural immunity had a far superior response, something like six or seven times better than those who had had immunization alone and unexposed. They did better still than the, the ones that were unvaccinated and hadn't been exposed. But here was the thing that they showed and has been showed over and over, that if you are exposed naturally and you get a vaccination, there is no statistical advantage to getting the vaccination after you have been exposed. Right. If 99.3% of the, these kids have been, and we follow actual evidence and science, not a single one of them should get this because it offers no advantage and there are, there are defined um, risks as well. And some of the Scandinavian countries have stuck a little closer with actual science and mm -hmm. the case of, I believe, I believe you looked this up, Finland and Sweden, yeah. they wouldn't allow anyone under the age of 30 to get these shots because the immune system is already robust enough. And because exposure has been, well, reached that quote, herd level of numbers. Right. So, in, so. In, in my predictions, I said we would never reach herd immunity with this because it is a blood immune nerve virus. I said we would have to reach herd exposure. Exposure, that's And correct. it has turned out to be exactly true. So here we are. That's kind of, we're re leading up to the end of the story. That's how it started. That's how it's all shaking down. This is where we are now. Everybody has to make their own decisions. But what's really shocking about this is looking at that 19 to two vote from uh, that FDA panel, that these guys appear to be, well, you said it best, a laundering agency for big pharma, laundering mm -hmm. data, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was Toby Rogers' term. Yeah, you but, you. but I picked up on it. They're not only laundering it, but now they're also basically just lobbyists. Everyone expects to get a million dollar a year job after they leave that committee um, because we're talking 50 billion, 60 billion. That's a small, small section of that. And they even raised questions. Toby said, because he, he looked at the entire, what, six, eight hours of this uh, uh, working group. It was on Zoom, it was public. He said he was feeling like we're going to win this because they were they're saying there's no evidence. There's no safety. There was something also called um, mimicry. Yeah, this is really, really devastating, which is that these vaccines are creating a situation that's embedding using proteins that are too similar to the body's own, which may be one of the explanations for the myocarditis and pericarditis, the blood clotting, is it's, is it's autoimmune. The body is beginning to attack its own proteins, not being able to distinguish it between these foreign proteins from this particular uh, microbe. So now they brought that up in that group. And then they just voted 19 to two to say, well, okay, <laughs> which is, We'll just well, which, of, is, which is why we're even doing this yeah. kind of final. They, they literally said, if we don't have to do clinical trials, we can get it to you by fall. Like fall matters. We're right in the middle of a, uh, a big uh, like, wave. Like there's any need. Where's the emergency? We already know with the kids, they're already exposed. They've gotten their immunity. And Omicron is proving to be so much more mild than anything yeah. we started with when the story began. So- and, 
And yeah. they only have a few weeks of effectiveness. Every bit of scientific evidence suggests, not only suggests, but confirms that it would be exceedingly unwise to try to do this, not to mention, not to mention, and this is an important point to make too. I'm writing an article right now called an endemic of the overly vaccinated. What's happened when you misdirect your immune system and you through, through vaccines and you don't allow your body time to recover and develop its own natural defenses, and you keep boosting, 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 you become the low trough where all these variants in these genetic things go toward. So it actually becomes a kind of slingshot effect or a, a rebound effect that goes exactly opposite. They have to understand that natural is superior. However, at the same time, recognize that you can intervene in ways that are intentional or unintentional that can actually disable your ability to fight off natural infection. You can overwhelm and overwork and exhaust your immune system. We already know this. Throughout right. history, CDC and FDA has always recognized that natural immunity and Fauci himself has been shown on tape to say it is the best immunity. And all of a sudden they decided to get rid of all of that science. Exactly. And just keep all on going on. back to the same thing. So here we are. Uh, it's all over, but the shouting, they've mm -hmm. just said, we're not doing clinical trials. We're just going to keep pumping these things out. Take them at your own risk. We'll make, we'll make a note if you get sick or you die. Okay. That'll go into a database somewhere. Maybe, maybe. So we're on our own. So mm -hmm. now we need to, we've done as much as we can to help research and inform people to the degree that we have become informed. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it's up to each one of us now to make wise decisions and more than anything to protect our children to truly protect our children mm -hmm. from what appears to be an unstable, non-scientific, mm -hmm. um, quote, vaccine that's going to be released on the market probably in the fall. Mm -hmm. And I would say, too, this is a wonderful time for everyone within this community who is hearing this to go across ideological lines, to yes. link hands of people from different racial, cultural, ethnic class backgrounds, uh, political ideologies, and say, listen, free and informed choice, medical freedom is an absolute right that we all support, and that we are going to find alternatives to simply just these mechanistic approaches, including diet, including exercise, including workable, scientifically validated therapeutics, many of like the eye drug that we've mentioned that were being banned. Okay, and not to be afraid of this and not to become so bound up and, and, and to say all these things are conspiracy or all these things are just too woo woo. It turns out they are going to be the very center of a new renaissance in health, I'm predicting, in which we begin to say, we, we now know we can't trust these people. They literally have said no evidence, no science, and we are gonna do the opposite. We're gonna to go to nature, we're gonna to go to actual science. We're gonna to go to, 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 to integrating these various things to in a simple way that's gonna really improve our quality of life, our clarity of mind, our, our gladness of soul, our gladness of heart. And that I think is really, really where the hope is here. This is not a doom and gloom thing, ultimately. We are headed toward trusting ourselves and calling out the bunk. And, and in doing so, I think we are going to really empower ourselves beyond what, uh, what we even 
could have expected before in good times. I agree with you, Zeus. Uh, sometimes it just has to get so absurd. You realize you are on your own and that's a good place to be. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're on your own, then you're going to have to take your own responsible action. All of us. And you just brought up the many ways in which people right. do that to boost it. This is just about keeping the immune system nice and strong, no matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter. But Final I would say before we say goodbye, Zeus. Yeah, I would say that. Yes, you are on your own in terms of one thing and only one thing, your choices over your particular body and if your parents for your family, but it's the exact opposite if we open ourselves to community. If we use these technologies to bring all these silenced narratives and this silenced good science together, we're not on our own. Right. We're finally together. We're not just a little consumer being programmed to buy this and that in our little family and our little house. Now we can actually share best practices, share effective therapeutics. And now we won't be defined by our political ideology or our cultural stance. We'll be defined by our health and our desire and our love and our concern for each other to make sure that we're the healthiest we can be. So we have the best of both worlds. We're, we are now finally gonna take responsibility for our own, <laughs> that is our own body and our children, but we are also gonna open our hearts up to create a real global community and local community that will allow us to empower ourselves and other people instead of being divided against them. Uh, here, here, I couldn't agree more. So Zeus, thanks for, uh, we were so annoyed when we read this recent, you know, uh, I don't even know, assault, really, mm -hmm. assault on truth, uh, assault on justice, even by this FDA ruling. We we're so upset about it. We decided to just do this final little wrap. So uh, we won't be coming back talking about this again, as far as I can see. Something really mm -hmm. weird would have to happen. So, mm -hmm. Zeus, uh, thank you so much. Your research has just been astounding over the last two years. We both pitched in and done quite a bit to um, educate ourselves as best we can and then share with all of you as best we can. So we wish you well on all of this. And again, you're right, Zeus, communities where it's at, sharing information is where it's at. So mm -hmm. until next time, we have a lot of other things to talk about down the road. So <laughs> bye Zeus and you can go for everybody. You can always go to citizenzeus.com and take a look at some of the many, many articles Zeus has written and also Zeus uh, Yamianis at Citizen Zeus on Substack as well, plus our previous interviews to kind of go back into this. But I think we gave enough of a little recap today. You might not mm -hmm. need to do that. Yeah. So until next time, thank you all for joining us here on reginameredith.com. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And you might also want to consider joining Patreon, which allows me to keep all of this content free and available to everyone. And if you're looking for like-minded souls, you might also enjoy my online community called Our Neighborhood. Links to join are in the description.